Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to our Michigan Man Extra for January. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Two years ago, most Michigan fans had never heard of the Beeve. That all changed when John Eubacon's end zone came out. Now all of us know who Jay Flannelly is and the part he played in bringing Jim Harbaugh back home. He did that by enlisting the help of his former roommate, Tom Brady. Since then, the Beeve has been in demand by the media, and for good reason. He is outspoken in defending his friend Tom Brady, passionate about his Wolverines, and he's just fun to talk to. Next week, the Beeve will be featured in an ESPN interview regarding his relationship with Tom, and next week, Sports Illustrated is also doing a piece on him. As you might have guessed by now, Jay Flannelly, also known as the Beeve, is my guest on this month's Michigan Man Extra, and we'll get to that in just a minute. Huge win for Michigan basketball on Thursday night at home. On this week's show, Terry Mills said, if we could find a way to beat Indiana, then go to the Breslin Center and beat Sparty on Sunday, we might be ready to turn the corner and prime to make a run at the big dance. Coach B has a long history of putting the pieces together with his teams, especially in the back half of seasons. So let's hope we're in for an exciting February and March of Michigan hoops. Jay Flannelly loves Tom Brady and has a lot to say about the NFL commissioner. He's entertaining, passionate, and he's a hoot to talk to. I just ask a question, sit back, and I let the beeve roll. He joins me next year on our Michigan Man Extra on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Back with us on our Michigan Man Extra this week, a gentleman who we've had on several times, Jay Flannelly, also known as the Beeve of Endzone fame. Jay, great to have you back. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for having me on. All good with you. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. All that good stuff. Thank you very much. A busy time of the year, especially uh, when you're a Pats fan and the Super Bowl's coming up. Ian O'Connor from ESPN.com did a really nice story on you last week. Hopefully most of our listeners uh, got a chance to look at that, but if you didn't, Check it out on ESPN.com. Uh, I want to thank uh, Ann O'Connor for uh, doing that with me. He did a great job. Ann's one of my favorite writers anyway, so it's pretty cool. He wrote a book on Derek Jeter, which in, in my household is used as toilet paper. Uh, <laughs> the Jack Nicholas Arnold Palmer book and uh, a couple other things he's done, uh, Sebastian Telfair and other stuff. He's a really good guy, too. And uh, came out and hung out with us at Pete's house for a little while, and uh, he's... I told him he's always got a always got a place to get a pizza. So he's a really good job. He actually made me sound pretty cool, which was good. He did a really good job. A very nice article from a very good writer, as you said. You know, in that story, uh, Jay Ian talked about the uh, the weekly scouting reports that uh, you send Tom Brady. You know, it made me which wonder. Tom clearly needs Mike. Tom <laughs> needs so much help. But continue. Well, it made me wonder how much time do you put into those reports uh, weekly for Tom? Uh, probably about five to six hours. Uh, depends on who they're playing. Uh, as I talked about in the uh, article with Ann, 
uh, when Tom goes, well, when the Patriots go to play a team, just say, uh, they get ready to play Atlanta. And this is a bad example because we haven't seen Atlanta. I know Dan Quinn was a defense coordinator when Tom played him in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, but that's, you know, Pete Carroll's the head coach. He's the coordinator. But when Tom plays a team, say, Wade, when he plays a team, say, Denver last year in the NFC Championship game. He's played against Wade Phillips' defenses a lot. Wade's been in, uh, you know, all over the place. Dallas, he's been uh, Buffalo. He, uh, he started out in Houston Oilers with his dad. So he's got all this, we got all this backload of tapes. So you look at that and see how they prepared and played against him before. Rex Ryan's a good example. Rex Ryan was a defensive coordinator for the Ravens in 2007 when they should have beat us in the regular season, and Rex called the timeout. And then he was the uh, head coach of the Jets, obviously, and the Bills. So Tom has three groups of tapes where he played against these teams, and obviously they got different players. Um, you know, the the Ravens with Ed, uh, Ed Reed and Ray Lewis is different than the Jets with Daryl Revis and David Harris and those guys. But you get to see some consistency in how they defend you and what they do. And so Tom, whenever he gets ready to play a team, it's not Bill Belichick – versus uh, 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 Dan Quinn. It's uh, it's Tom versus their defensive coordinator and how he defends things and he breaks things down, how they defend the slot. Like this team, they're very standard in what they do. They do a lot of variety. I mean, they're different than how the Steelers were. The Steelers stay back in their silly zone and Tom throws for 4,000 yards against her every time. They still haven't figured that out. But the... Um, how they play is pretty standard. Like this guy is going to be over the slot. This guy's going to be the widest outside guy. I believe the guy's name is Collins is the widest outside call uh, outside guy on, on the Falcons. So take the widest outside receiver. They're very young in the secondary, the Falcons. Um, they have a lot of high picks. Their best uh, corner got hurt earlier in the year. True font. They have three rookies in their back seven, two linebackers and a defensive back. Mike, does it sound like a better work? It sounds like you've got this scouting report all done, Jay. <laughs> uh, well, not quite, but um, it, it's what's today, Thursday. Yeah, it'll be it'll be it will be done by probably Saturday. So um, that's the advantage with the two weeks thing. And trust me, uh, Nadia Patricia, our defensive coordinator, and uh, Coach Belichick need a lot of time because Matt Ryan doesn't get a lot of hype because it's in Atlanta, which is a terrible pro sports town. Uh, has had like a historic top 10 ever season for a starting quarterback in the NFL. If you look at his statistics from the beginning of the season and now, um, and it's not just Julio Jones, it's Sanu, it's the backs, it's the tight ends. This, uh, the Gabriel kid uh, is, is really stepped up. I mean, I was tweeting with Carl Banks the other night and uh, the Giants great player from Michigan State and the, the does some broadcasting for the Giants, and he was talking about how, you know, I said to him, hey, they'll just try to take away Julio. And he's like, no, 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 their second and third option guys will kill them. And they have to just, you know, mix up their coverages and stuff. And Carl would know because those two Giants teams he won the Super Bowl with in 86 and 90, there was this young defensive coordinator guy that really didn't talk to a lot of people. His initials are BB, mm-hmm. and he's uh, uh, Tommy's uh, head coach. So that's uh, – Pretty interesting, and uh, he played the um, 49ers and with Joe Montana and the Redskins with Joe Gibbs teams and the 49. I said the 49ers. They, played, they beat John Elway in the Super Bowl, and then they beat the great Bills teams. They were getting 45, 50 points on good teams with their hurry up. Ted Marchabro and a K gun offense with all those 
great players, Jim Kelly, Thurman Thomas, Andre Reed, really good offensive line, James Lawson, stop those guys. So um, there's some experience there. Um, and we've all seen the stats on the number one defense versus the number one offense in the Super Bowl. I think the number one defense is they played each other seven times, and the number one defense has won every game. If people don't know, the Patriots had the uh, number one scoring defense in the league as far as scoring points. So in Atlanta's, I, they're probably in the 30s for what they score in points. And I, I, I like that stat because it doesn't even take into account who our quarterback is. And he's, he's pretty decent. Like, he gets it done once in a while. But in that article, uh, in Ian's article uh, in ESPN.com, Jay, you said that Tom Brady is uh, he's in a routine and uh, gets in his game week routine and he likes uh, the, your scouting reports. How far does that go back? Do you and Tom have been doing that? Well, really funny. Uh, and it's, this is in Ian's story. When he got drafted by the Patriots, I was working at the NFL draft in New York. I was living in New York at the time. And uh, obviously I'm a huge Patriots fan. My, my dad, who really got me into the Patriots, went to the very first Patriots game in 1960. I think it's very funny that all these people think that the Patriots have been great forever. Um, I graduated high school in 1991. They won one game my senior year in high school in 1990, like the third game of the season. Um, that team, they won one game. You remember a couple of years ago, about 10 years ago, the Lions didn't win a game. Mm-hmm. If that team played the Lions team that didn't win a game, that Lions team would have beat them by three touchdowns. <laughs> that team was awful. Um, they did make the Super Bowl in 85. And they had some great teams in the 70s with, you know, Chuck Fairbanks and Steve Rogan and Mike Haynes and Russ Francis and some guy named John Hanna, our best left guard in the history of the NFL. Um, so they had really good historic teams. So when Tommy got drafted, I called him and uh, I, 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 you know, I was thinking, hey, Tommy really doesn't know the Patriots that well, and I watch him every week. So I, I drew up like a scouting report on like 25, 30 players on the team, like, you know, Terry Glenn, really fast player, doesn't uh, not a good worker. He's kind of a knucklehead. Laura Malloy, he's a really good uh, run stuffing safety. Um, he, he's probably better in zone than man. Uh, Teddy Bruschi, he's a really good football player. I don't know if they're using him right. Uh, what position is he? Does something like that. So I, I sent that to Tom and sent it back to me. He's like, B, this is really good. So um, and then he was you know third third fourth string quarterback coming mm-hmm. into camp and. We all know what happened in 2011. Um, Mo Lewis uh, took out my idol. They brought in my friend, which is what I like to tell people. And, uh, and and then Tom became both my friend and idol. So the uh, um, the Mo Lewis thing, um, you know, I, I've talked to Dan Bierdorf about this at Michigan Tailgates, and Dan was doing the game on TV with Dick Emberg. And you know, they're trying to get reports on how hurt Bledsoe is, and Dan Doro tells me that he had a uh, separated sternum, which mm. um, I don't know. That, that doesn't sound very fun. Mm-mm. And there's been a lot of books about it. The um, uh, Brady versus Manning book that Gary Myers came out with. Um, the actual stories that basically Drew Bledsoe left the stadium and went home. He lived like 10, 15 minutes away. He would have died. And they got him in an ambulance. And his brother, Adam, who played quarterback at Colorado, uh, was with him in the ambulance and actually thought Drew died because um, he's allergic to certain pain medicines. They couldn't give it to him, and he was bleeding massive internally. I mean, he's losing ridiculous amounts of blood. And, you know, everybody can go back and watch the videos of this. When they're taking him out of the Patriots locker room, Tom's standing there and a couple of the other guys in the team, and they're like, like, oh, my God, he's really, really in bad shape. 
amazing thing, Mike, that nobody talks about out of the Mo Lewis play. I mean, we've all seen the hit where he gets killed. Mm-hmm. Drew actually went back in the game the next series. Like, he was basically comatose. So he didn't know what was going on. Handed the ball off three times. I mean, he literally didn't know what was going on. And, and Tom and Damon Heward, the other back of quarterback, you know, basically told Belichick and Charlie West, hey, you got to get him out of the game. He's, he's that bad. you got to get him out. So crazy, crazy, uh, crazy story. But like I said, so after that happened with the, uh, with the uh, Tom taking over, became the quarterback of the Patriots on uh, September 25th, uh, 2001. Uh, so from there, he got, I started helping him out a little more. First game he played against was against the Colts. Uh, Peyton Manning in Indiana, uh, in Boston, in Foxborough. And from there, I just, you know, it was the casual stuff. Hey, don't throw at Daryl Revis. Block Adamic and Sue. Block J.J. Watt. Got more extensive and like, the last couple of years, particularly this year, I'm doing more like a roster evaluation. Like, hey, look, like, we're going to play the Falcons. Mm-hmm. Beginning, I'll, I'll have what their roster, their starting lineup was at the beginning of the year, what it is now. So look at, like, injuries, guys being benched, guys being traded guys being, you know, changing positions. And, like, that's all I knew about Trufant. They're a very healthy team. They, they haven't had a ridiculous amount of injuries. I mean, they're, they're very young in the back seven, linebackers and DBs. They got three rookies. But, um, you know, not a lot of change. And that's one of the things, Mike, that, that people need to focus on. When I looked at the last four teams playing in the playoffs, they're very healthy teams. I mean, the Patriots are missing Gronk, and uh, the Steelers have some uh, – you know, wide receivers are injured. The Bryant guy with the drug suspension. One of their D linemen from Ohio State, Hayward or Hewitt, whatever the hell his name is, he was out. Um, the Packers are very healthy outside of Eddie Lacy. And the Falcons, you know, they're missing true fun. But that's one of the things that people want to talk about with the Lions, with all the injuries they had, particularly at the running back position where, you know, they were down to uh, Zellner and uh, and Dwayne Washington was hurt towards the end of the year. So they'd be really healthy and be really lucky. Um Patriots probably would have won another Super Bowl in 2011, you know, Gronk playing with a broken ankle. So it'll be a little lucky and get some breaks and have Pete Carroll throw the ball from the one-yard line once in a while to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, there you Um, go. Let's uh, move to one of what I know is uh, one of your favorite subjects, Jay, the uh, NFL commissioner. And, of course, with the Super Bowl coming up, how is he going to handle all this? Ah, Roger, my buddy. Yeah. Um, He's one of those people. I, I wish that people would handle him the way they handle politicians, like whether it's Donald Trump or Hillary, and have like a lying chart underneath and show where it was, like, explaining why he didn't go to Foxborough during the playoffs, and you know the the the, the huge NFL market that is Atlanta. Um, so, you know, it's just Mr. Kraft basically ended the lockout. If, you want to go back and research, that's the Patriots owner, Robert Kraft. He basically ended the last lockout. And this is not me saying this. This is Jeff Saturday from the, the, the favorite team of the Patriots, Indianapolis Colts, uh, Peyton Manning's longtime center. He's the one, basically, Mr. Kraft went in the union rep meeting and said, get all the lawyers out. And Mr. Kraft basically got a piece of paper and they drew up an agreement. And that's really how they ended the last lockout. So, and that is who this idiot, the commissioner of the NFL, has tried to take down. And, you know, Tom and other people, when they want to talk about the talk about it, I'm sure Tom will write a book. But let's just say I got great pleasure in watching the demise of the two flagship franchises in the NFL. 
we took out one of them last week, and the uh, Packers took them out in the first round, the other one. They're the two teams that are the driving force behind this. The Colts and the Ravens, they did what they did. Other teams narc on each other all the time. Now, I don't necessarily like that and what they did, but the flagship franchises of this league, and I just told you they were, and I didn't even need to say who they are, mm-hmm. did it and did what they did, and their owners are what they are. Um, you know, they're, I, I'm, I'm always excited when I see a team calling us cheaters and pointing us out that had their coach trip a guy in the middle of the game from the sideline, and, you know, their assistant coaches at a bar drunk after a game making terrorist threats at police and things like that. And the giants with their thing with, you know, their, their, um, kicker who accidentally punches wife in the face 25 times and, you know, yeah. stuff like that. It's just nonsense. And over a, a football that deflates and is altered by weather. That's why people like John Falk have jobs. That's why when you go shopping at Meyer target, play again, sports, Dick sporting goods, they have air pumps, they have ball treatment uh, uh, equipment, other things like that. Um, it's just nonsense. They, they went after my friend because of who he is, and he wins, and they don't like it. And these guys can understand why the Patriots have been great for 15 years. I'll give you a clue. They've had the same quarterback and coach. There's a good place to start. They've had the same owner. Tom's been in the same system for 15 years. That's a big reason why Manning was always good. He was in the same offensive system that traveled with him when he went to Denver. So instead of looking for, hey, he must be cheating, he must be doing this, this isn't baseball. There isn't, you know, there isn't obvious enhancement here. Maybe the guy, maybe eating avocado ice cream and getting reports from me for 15 years kind of helps. I don't know. But it's just, there's other reasons besides you know, thinking two equipment guys to flake footballs. Uh, if you haven't noticed, Tom's been pretty good the last couple of years with the quote regulation footballs. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you think within NFL circles though, that Roger, uh, the commish is on solid footing or with all of the, I mean, there's been so much bad press in the last couple of no, years. Mike, this is your first mistake. You're thinking like an intelligent human being. Don't, don't think like that. The NFL wants this guy to be the banky and take, he's a bullet stopper, Mike. He doesn't make decisions. He's a banky. He's up there taking shots for people. And that's what he does. Now, well, 10 years ago, I was in an event here in town where Commissioner Tagalbu came and talked. And Commissioner Tagalbu was in charge when the deflate thing happened. He would have called the Ravens and the Colts and said, look, I'm going to deal with this. Keep this out of the press. If there's anything in the paper, I'm going to find you both a million dollars. He called Mr. Kraft and said, Bob, I'm hearing things about your footballs. Please look into this. And if I hear about it again, I'm going to fine you a million dollars and I'm going to take away draft picks and I'm going to embarrass you. Thank you and have a nice day. And that would have been the end of it because it never happened. It's just the way it is. But instead we talked about it for two years and, you know, and, and then the thing happened this year with the Steelers and the Giants narking on each other. And that was just brushed under the, the weather. I mean, you can also look this up. Eli Manning about four years ago did a story in the New York Times about how he likes to treat the footballs for the games, and he has the equipment guys put the balls in the dryers. Where's his uh, four-game suspension and million-dollar fine for the Giants and their organization and their draft picks? So, and I mean, we've all seen Aaron Rodgers. I like the balls big. I mean, it's it's asinine. Yeah. They took away four games from my friend, and, and you know he's fine. Obviously, they're in the Super Bowl, which was their goal beginning of the season. We got to see Jimmy and, and Jacoby play a little bit, which is good for them and the team. And I actually think indirectly the suspension of the beginning of the year 
helped the team also because they had they knew they had to run the ball and they rededicated the offensive line in the running game. And Legarrette came in and did really good. James White and Dion at the end of the year, so they became a more physical running team. And, you know that was back when Gronk was playing. It helps mm-hmm. when you have two uh, tight ends that are 275 pounds and about six foot nine with uh, him and Martellus, but. I think it actually helped the team, and I, I saw that really early that the, like you said, the rededication offensive line because they knew they had to run the ball, you know, because obviously Jimmy Garoppolo and Jacoby aren't as good as Tom Brady. Nobody is. But I think it really helped their team and bringing Dante Scarnecchia, our longtime offensive line coach, back, and Nate Solder, our left tackle, is healthy all year, and Marcus Cannon, our right tackle, played at an all pro level. I think he was second team all pro and been a whipping boy of the fans, so that was pretty cool. But um, you know, I think it indirectly kind of helped the team out, you know, made me nuts and made Tommy nuts and everybody around him nuts. Cause he's not used to being around for four, four weeks in the middle of football season. But, um, you know, it is what it is and they did what they did. And hopefully Roger is going to have to experience handing him the trophy. So we're looking for that to happen. It'd be a big deal in Boston. I might be in a uh, uh, New England holiday when that happens. People are just talking about it like crazy back home, Mike. It's crazy, crazy. I listen to a lot of Boston sports radio, and it's a big, big thing. Tom's kind of, you know, moved on from it, but you know, that's the way he is. He, uh, he's, uh, he's a special, special guy. And uh, if I was him, I'd take that thing and smash it over Godell's head. Well, Jay, a lot of my listeners uh, and myself, we follow you on Facebook, so we see your your take on the NFL, the commission, and how they've treated Tom. And I wonder, if it wasn't for Tom and the Pats, would you even be interested in the NFL right now? To me, Mike, it's a trust issue. I don't trust the league and the product. The refereeing is horrible and incompetent. It's got a lot of WWE feel to me. I'm, I'm waiting for Mr. Fuji and Captain Lou Albano to come out <laughs> and referee the game. And that, was, that has been my concern up until this point. I mean, I didn't think the Patriots going to lose. Um, particularly when Mike Tomlin's on the other sideline, but the um, and and Bill O'Brien saddled with a guy who can't throw the ball ten yards, but the um, you know, so I was concerned about that up until a point, and I think now that the game's at the Super Bowl, in a strange way, I think Goldell wants the Patriots to win now because we can get this over with and just move on. Um, and to be honest with you, I don't think they want the Atlanta Falcons to win the Super Bowl because I just don't think it's a big. It's not a big NFL market. Um, you know, the NFL is about allowing, you know, the non-traditional teams to win like Green Bay and New Orleans and, you know, Denver is, Denver is a good sized city, but it's not, you know, it's not viewed as a huge, huge city. And I don't know what the population numbers are, but, you know, Jacksonville and they had Tom Coughlin and Burnell had really good teams and Tennessee with Eddie George and McNair. So that, that sport is viewed as, any team can win. Indianapolis, any team can win. Um, so, but I don't think they want Atlanta to win. It's a good college sports town. It's not really a good NFL or NBA or MLB. I mean, I remember the Bobby Valentine, Mike Piazza, uh, Mets teams in the late '90s, early 2000s. You could go to Atlanta uh, when the Mets and Braves were playing, like a playoff game, and you could get into Atlanta and get good seats. You could get into Fulton County Stadium and uh, Turner Field and get in there and get uh, good seats. So. Interesting, but I'm no Mike. I'm just not feeling it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I love Bob Quinn. Uh, my friend Sarah is on the staff for the Lions too, and uh, I just I'm not feeling it. I'm, I just don't trust the league. It's like it's like I've been you know I'm a little kid and I've been told the Easter Bunny and Santa Claus doesn't exist. That's what it is. It just don't not worth my time. I'll go watch European soccer <laughs> or something else. I'm not I'm not kidding you. I, it's funny that you laugh at that. When I went to see my dad 
two uh, Christmases ago, I was when I was in Florida. I, I was in the I soccer in the morning. When I woke up, my dad looked at me like I was out of my mind. So I think he began to realize, well, Jay is really serious. I mean, I don't play fantasy football anymore. I haven't played fantasy football since this all started. I, now, I advised 17 of my friends. And two years ago, one of my uh, managers of Pete's house, Chris, won his fantasy league because I told him to, take dra- to draft Tom because he was going to play no matter what. He did, and he won. He won his league because he drafted Tom. And, I mean, I, I, I probably do more work on fantasy now than I don't play because I advise like mm-hmm. 35 people. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I don't play. I don't play at all. I mean, I just have, I don't trust the league. It's, it's like, you know, I feel the way about the NFL as a lot of people feel about our government and our electoral system now. So, Jay, if the Pats win the Super Bowl. They better win, Mike. If they don't win, I'm going to blame you. It is a good matchup, though, isn't it? It really is. This is I've been telling people this is the best uh, best team I think we played in the Super Bowl. I was talking to my dad about last night. Uh, but he made a good point in that it's Matt Ryan's first time playing in the Super Bowl, and that's a big thing. There's a lot of pressure on him. Um, I don't know if they can play. I don't know if they can win with him not playing really, really well. Uh, and obviously, you said about a lot of quarterbacks. Um, Tom didn't have his best game against the Texans, but then won. In some big spots, he hit some plays. You know, it's goal line, red zone, third down, um, things like that. But, um, you know, it's interesting. Uh, it's going to be a really good game. I, I, I have a good feeling. Um, you know, I, I'm getting more excited when I look at the Atlanta defense because they pretty much play cover three. And Tom's had good success against that, but got to go out and play, Mike. Uh, yeah. you, how you play last week doesn't matter. How you play in the future doesn't matter. It's the next game, and then uh, saying we got one more, and we got one more to go. Well, I think it's going to be a great matchup too, Jay. And if uh, if the Pats come out on top, and there's been so much crap Tom's had to put up with uh, in the last few years, do you think it might he might say at the end of the day, "Hey, that's it. I'm I'm ready to step away," or is he he not done yet? No, no. No, not even close. He's going to play at least five more years, I think. Mike, you don't eat avocado ice cream and get up at 5.30 in the morning every day and work out to sit on the couch and eat Twinkies. Now, he's got a really good excuse. It's called his wife. You might have heard of her. She's kind of oh, a yeah. big deal. Um, and uh, and his face. That's one of the things that's really cool that I, that I really noticed with the suspension was how good a dad and how into his kids Tommy is. And I never really got to see that. Because, you know, we don't talk about that stuff because I'm single and he's been particularly trying to get me married and, and mm-hmm. you know, set up on for like 100 years. And I just, I'm telling him all the time, I'm married to you. Uh, <laughs> so the um, as long as he's playing, uh, you know, that's not going to change. But he's not going to retire anytime soon. Uh, okay. The Patriots kind of prepared for him to not to, but. I mean, do you see any decline in his play? Mm-hmm. Um, this isn't Peyton Manning. And, and, and in Manning's defense, the guy had catastrophic neck injury. Um, I've got a really bad back, so I can relate to what he had to deal with. And, you know, besides the neck injury, I mean, his brother, his oldest brother had a similar thing with his neck. So that's going to scare him. Give him credit for coming back and playing. Now, now he gravy trained off a great defense and didn't have to do a lot. But, I mean, there's been a lot of guys who have done that. You know, Trent Delford, Jim McMahon, so forth. He's not retiring time soon. Don't count on him being in a lot of games on the sideline like he was this year. But uh, he'll, he's, uh, he's not going to retire anytime soon. Like, I'm, I think he's afraid. I'll, I'll croak if he retires soon. So that's not going to happen. So <laughs> I don't think he's going to retire. Well, Jay, I know you've got to run, so just uh, a final thought. Aside from the Pizza House and um, your gig at Moe's, we'll get a shot in there for Moe's. Thank you. And your New York Mets blog, we can't forget about that. You are one busy guy. 
Yeah, it's, if you wonder why I look like I haven't slept in about five years, there's a good reason. Uh, it's I, I try to keep busy just the way I roll. I've always been like play. Uh, a lot of caffeine, Mike, a lot of caffeine. Potential uh, spokesperson for Mountain Dew. Uh, the uh, Yeah, I'm just always trying to keep busy. There's always opportunities coming my way, people calling me, nice people like you. And you'll see some stuff here in the next week. I'm doing some with ESPN television. And um, I just did an interview with Sports Illustrated yesterday. So there's more stuff going on. Apparently, my friend number 12 on the Patriots is kind of important, and they want to talk about him. So gotta got to go out and, and uh, sell the brand and talk up Tommy, and uh, hopefully uh, we get number five and make a lot of people out there happy. He's got a lot of fans. That was the other thing Mike was cool about you know him coming out for the Colorado game is he got to see – how much fans, and they get tired of me telling them all the time, hey, this woman came up to me, she named her dog after you, this kid's named after you, this, this, and this, and he got the experience, it was pretty cool. And he was really touched by that. And Hats off to Coach Harbaugh and his staff, you know, those guys, Dave Abloff and, uh, uh, you know, uh, Jim Minnick and Jim Harbaugh and the staff and Jed, who, uh, Jed Fitch, who left, he's at UCLA now, Tommy loves him. And, uh, no, it was cool. He, uh, and obviously Big John Falk, who jo- John Falk should be getting a lot more interviews than I do because that's Tommy's biggest ally. I'm just the, that's Batman. I'm Alfred. Uh, <laughs> the um, so I mean it's not bad. He Tommy's Batman. That's that's Robin. I'm Alfred. Excuse me. You know it's really cool. That, uh, what's happening? Very excited for the uh, Super Bowl here, and hopefully it'll pull off. I think he's going to Jay. Withers on our Michigan man. Next With your lips to God's ears, well, Mike. I, I think it's going to happen. I think you know it's going to happen too, but it's going to be fun to watch. Great game. So Our guest with gotcha. us uh, on our Michigan Man Extra has been Jay Flannelly, also known as the Beeve. We all know him as the Beeve now. So, Jay, always a lot of fun to have you on the show, and uh, we'll touch base with you soon and get you back and see what's happening in the world. Thanks, Mike. Go Pats, go Blue, and uh, take care. Thanks a lot, Mike. Thanks to the Beeve, Jay Flannelly, for being my guest on this month's Michigan Man and extra. On next week's show, my guest will be the longtime editor of our Michigan Bible, The Wolverine Magazine. John Borden will join me to talk Michigan football, hoops, hockey, and much more, so make sure you join us for that. As most of you know, the show airs on Tuesday, which is one day prior to National Signing Day this week, so we are going to let the dust settle, and then next week bring back one of our favorite guests, recruiting guru Steve Lorenz from 24-7 Sports with his final thoughts on the class of 2017. So mark that on your calendar. Our free show apps are available from the Google Play and iTunes stores, and we can now be heard on iHeartRadio. Just do a search for The Michigan Man and save us to your favorites. If you get the show from iTunes, please take a minute to review and comment on the program. We would appreciate that. That will do it for our January edition of the Michigan Man Extra. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Have a great Wolverine weekend, everyone. And until next time, take care, and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on the Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. 
The Michigan Man podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!